Life is filled with constant decisions. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell challenges us to consider Christ in every choice that we make. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, and when you are struggling with family difficulty, and when you are bearing burdens that seem too heavy, yes, Jesus Christ is all powerful to call the worlds into existence. Yes, he says, let there be light, and there is light. Yes, he has power to raise the dead from the grave, but he also has a heart to feel for you. Our minds are constantly asked to consider voices from every direction. Political parties, advertisements, social media, friends, family, they all call for our attention. But in all of the noise, there is one who can easily get crowded out of our everyday thoughts, and his name is Jesus. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. God's Word specifically calls us to consider Jesus. In our series, Consider Christ, we will be challenged to focus our thoughts on Him and to examine His life and ministry. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chappell with part one of a message called, Consider His Omnipotence. Throughout the Gospels, we see the Lord Jesus Christ possessing all of the attributes of deity. We see the Lord Jesus as he stands and says, Before Abraham was, I am. We see the Lord Jesus as he steps onto the little ship and says to the waves and to the winds, Peace, be still. We see the Lord Jesus Christ performing miracle after miracle. And yet there could have been some who still wondered, Who is this man? Is he really the Son of God? Does he really possess all of the attributes of deity? And there would only be one way to really settle that issue finally. There would only be one way to know that he was who he said he was, the very Son of God. And that was with this question. Could he conquer death? Could he raise someone from the dead? Does he have power over death? Because Only God has power over death. That question was a question that would be answered in John chapter 11 for those who wondered about the deity of Jesus Christ. I heard about a boy that was traveling on an airplane and he sat next to a seminary professor. The young boy had in his hand some of his studies from Sunday school, some coloring papers and so forth, and The professor looked over and noticed that, and he thought he would spend a little time talking to the little boy, and so he said to the young man, he said, young man, if you can tell me something that God can do, I will give you this shiny red apple. The little boy thought about it for a moment. He said, mister, if you can tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole bushel of apples. (laughs) He was a young man who had been learning that God can do anything but fail. Now, why did Jesus show his omnipotence? Why did he perform these great miracles? Why did he raise someone up from the dead? I believe there are two purposes for these great and miraculous works. I believe, first of all, in John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I believe in the first place Jesus performed these miracles that we might see the glory of God. 
Secondly, Jesus Christ performed these miracles that we might believe on Him as the Son of God. You see, He had taught many times that He was the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Many times He said that He was God, and many times He said that He was the way to everlasting life. But it was through the miraculous, omnipotent displays of His power that men and women had a validation of what He said. They were signs to the unbelievers. The Bible says in John 20, 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that believing you might have life through his name now to be sure there are those who saw the signs and still did not believe I remember years ago there were explorers who uh, found portions of what they believed to be Noah's Ark at Mount Ararat some of you might recall uh, they were discovering and going up and making archaeological digs and so forth and someone said why what if they found the entire ark I bet you the whole world then would believe in the Bible and would turn to Jesus Christ and I said absolutely not first of all the depravity of man would not allow them in their pride to admit that God exists and that the Word of God is true and secondly many men saw Jesus Christ perform the most astounding of miracles and still did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and yet for those who would and could believe Jesus Christ showed his omnipotence regularly during his earthly ministry that they might have opportunity to know he was indeed God come down to this world in the form of a man. Now I want you to notice this morning some things about God's omnipotence from a little village called Bethany in Judea in the first century, the time of Jesus Christ, of course. Notice, if you would, Christ's purpose at Bethany. Jesus Christ had a specific purpose at Bethany that I want you to learn with me. The Bible tells us, beginning in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Notice, if you would, in verse 6, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, about the purpose of God, that it was delayed. It was a delayed purpose. And I find this very interesting. You see, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick nigh unto death. And the Bible says that upon hearing that news, he waited two days before crossing back over the Jordan and back into the little village of Bethany. Did you see that in verse 6? He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, that would mean that from the time uh, Jesus Christ heard of the news until the time that he made his way back to Bethany, that approximately four days had passed since Lazarus had actually died. And what I want you to know this morning is what may be a delay on our timetable is not necessarily a delay on God's timetable. How many of you have been saved long enough to know that God's delays are not God's denials? Just because something doesn't happen on my timetable doesn't mean God's made a mistake. It doesn't mean that God is somehow uh, forgetting about us or doesn't love us anymore. In fact, I think of our theme verse this year at Lancaster Baptist, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3. For consider him, Jesus Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Sometimes we get weary in our minds and sometimes to the point of fainting or giving up 
or throwing in the towel because we're, we're experiencing some physical trial or some family trial or something that overwhelms us and we want God to fix it right now. But for some reason, the Lord waited two days, you see. We must keep in mind that according to His sovereign timetable, God is always at work. I love Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Speaking of the first coming of Jesus, it said, But in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. In other words, Jesus came just on the right time, the first time, and Jesus will come just at the right time, the second time. And I don't know what you're waiting for today, but I know God is right on time. His purpose seemed delayed from a human standpoint, but his timetable was perfect. Well, his purpose was delayed, but I want you to notice secondly, his purpose is deliberate. God's purpose was a deliberate purpose, and we see it in verse 4, and we mention it in the introduction as well. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, would you say the next phrase with me, but for the glory of God. Would you say that one more time? But for the glory of The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now you could put your trial there. You could say this physical problem is not for death, but for the glory of God. This difficulty I'm experiencing is for the glory of God. I don't know what it is that you're experiencing today, but I know that God wants to be glorified through your life. The chief end of man, or if you will, the main purpose for men and for our lives is that we would glorify God on this earth. And so the Bible is very clear that God had a purpose for this tragedy. One of our favorite verses from the time we were young, many of us, is Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Where the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that God is always at work. He always is working that we might honor and glorify him through our lives. I believe that is seen in John chapter 9 as a blind man was healed from his birth. And the Bible tells us why the Lord allowed the blindness and the healing. Notice in John 9, 1, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? By the way, isn't that just like our human tendency to try to judge someone? I mean, he has a problem, so I wonder what he did to deserve it, you know. And the disciples said, Master, what did he do that caused him to have this problem? Well, look what Jesus says in verse 3. Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You say, well, Pastor Chapel, do you believe that sometimes difficulty or chastisement comes into our life because we have disobeyed God? Yes, I believe that happens sometimes. But I believe there are many times when God will bring a trial into the life of a very strong Christian because he wants to make them stronger, because he wants to get glory for himself, because he wants to see a lady who suffers, who is still faithful so that others can look at her life and see the glory of God. He wants to see a marriage that struggled and yet through repentance and humbling and restoration, they stayed faithful to the things of God. And you know what? God gets glory when that happens. 
You see, God allows the trials so that He can be glorified in this world. Oh, what a blessing to know that He's always working for His honor and glory. But there was a second purpose there, not only for the glory of God. Notice, secondly, for the instruction of His disciples. He deliberately allowed this trial for His glory, and He deliberately allowed this so that His disciples could learn and grow in their own faith. Now, notice this, if you would, beginning in verse 11. These things said he, said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then his disciples, then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. In other words, the lucky guy is sleeping, let him rest. But notice it says, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had been spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, now notice, if you will, this is all happening for the glory of God and for the instruction of the disciples, verse 15, to the intent that ye may believe. You know, God allows trials for a reason, so that he might be glorified, yes. So that others might learn about God through the trial, absolutely yes. And he says to his disciples, this is happening to the intent that you might believe, that your strength, that your faith might be increased. And so the Lord Jesus is going back to Judea, back to Bethany for a purpose. Now, they weren't really excited about that, these disciples. In fact, they were worried about Jesus making that journey. Notice in verse number eight, the Bible says, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Uh, they, they said, are you sure you want to go back there? I mean, the Jews aren't really happy with you. You keep talking about your kingdom and saying that you are the way and people are turning away from the Sadducees and Pharisees and they're following you and the Jews want to stone you. And Jesus said, yes, I'm intending to go further. And, and uh, that's exactly what he did. But we see the spirit of some of the disciples. Notice that in verse number 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. By the way, how many of you are glad your name is not Didymus? I am. He said unto his fellow disciples, listen, listen to this, let us also go that we may die with him. He kind of had that Eeyore attitude, you know. All right. Okay, let's go back to Judea. We'll probably all be killed, but we're willing. Let's go. All right, no problem. I think Thomas was a member of the First Baptist Church of Judea. I'm not sure. But Thomas just wasn't sure about all of this. And that's one of the reasons Jesus was doing what he was doing, so that guys like Thomas could have their faith strengthened, so that people who were watching could grow in their faith. You see, friend, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. And he wanted his disciples to know that he had allowed the trial for a purpose. Dr. Tom Malone often said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. When God is going to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. And here we see him doing the miraculous and he's wanting to show his disciples, yes, I can do the impossible because I am almighty God. Christ had a purpose at Bethany and Christ has a purpose in your life and mine today. Notice secondly this morning, Christ's passion at Bethany. Oh, I love this portion of the story because it is here that I see a glimpse of the heart of my Savior. 
Oh, I thank God for the many wonderful people in the Bible. And, and we think today of those that, that even elevate some to the level of Christ. I've seen statues of Mary with a red heart. I know of people who pray to Mary and so forth. And I really pity them. The Bible says Mary was blessed among women, but she was never elevated to be the mediator for our prayers or someone that we pray to and so forth. And, and, uh, and when we think about sympathy and comfort, while some would say we can find that uh, with Mary, I want you to know there is no greater comforter available to you other than the Spirit of God and the Son of God who are given to us in the Word of God. Notice, if you will, in our passage this morning, verse number 18, the Bible says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Mary, uh, to Martha and to Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now I want you to know that Christ's passion at Bethany involved pain for him personally. It was painful for him. He saw Mary and Martha and others who were mourning. They thought that perhaps somehow if Jesus had been there, that Lazarus would not have died. The Bible says in John eleven twenty one. then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And a lot of times when you're in mourning or shock, you can think about things and you can try to wonder why it happened and if something would have been a little different, maybe this wouldn't have happened this way. And Jesus experienced the, the pain and saw the sorrow on the hearts of those people that He loved very much. And may I share with you this morning that if you intend to be a ministering Christian, I mean, if you intend to be the kind of Christian that helps others, that knows others, that serves others, then sometimes in your life you're going to be disappointed. If you really love them when they hurt, you'll feel pain. Or perhaps you'll have, as Jesus did, someone like Judas who leaves you. Or perhaps you'll have, as Jesus did here, someone that you loved who even passes away. You see, you can't love people and serve in the Christ-like way without sometimes experiencing the pain of loss, as Jesus did. It was a painful passion. Notice, it was a personal passion. This was a very personal moment for Jesus. The Bible tells us why in verse 3 it says, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he, who, he whom thou lovest is sick. This was a dear friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was someone that Jesus loved and knew personally. Notice in verse 33, the Bible says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Do you see it, my friend? Jesus loved this family. Do you understand that the Bible says that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and that's what Jesus Christ was for this family. He was that friend that stayed closer than a brother. He loved this family. He empathized with this family. He saw Mary and the others weeping. And the Bible tells us in this passage, verse 33, that Jesus groaned in his spirit. There was a tremendous amount of passion and pain and love all mixed together as Jesus saw them in their time of need. And I want you to know that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death and when you are struggling with family difficulty and when you are bearing burdens that seem too heavy yes Jesus Christ is all powerful to call the worlds into existence yes he says let there be light and there is light yes he has power to raise the dead from the grave but he also has a heart to feel for you this is the wonder of our Savior he groaned in his spirit and then the Bible says Jesus 
wept. Jesus wept. Think of that. The creator God of the universe wept for the pain that was experienced that day. Don't ever wonder about this simple fact, my friend. Jesus loves you. Jesus loved this family. Yes, he did. But Jesus loves your family as well. When I was a little guy in Sunday school, we learned about that. We'd sing a song, something like this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. Sing the rest. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. He loved Lazarus and his family, and he loves you and your family. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Oh, listen, friend, he came down to this earth. He left the streets of gold. He left the place of fellowship with the Father, and he came down to the sin-sick streets of this planet earth, and he became acquainted with our grief, and he learned what it was to love, and he learned what it was in the human sense to have those relationships, and he learned what it was to uh, experience the grief and the sorrow of losing someone in that human relationship. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ uh, became acquainted with your sorrows and and because of that, when he saw Lazarus' condition and when he saw Mary and Martha, the Bible says, Jesus wept. Oh, how we thank God for this. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yes, Jesus Christ, the eternally preexistent Son of God, was love in eternity past, but now He's here on this earth and He's being touched with the feeling of our infirmities and He's experiencing the loss and sorrow that we might feel in, in the very human sense. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him. For he careth for you. Oh, do you understand today? He is love. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And you can try to talk to an idol. You can try to talk to the priest, to a pastor, or even to the pope. But no one ever cared for me like Jesus, you see. Jesus. Jesus. He's the lover of our soul. Christ's purpose at Bethany was very clear. Christ's passion at Bethany was very, very clear. But notice finally, if you would, Christ's power at Bethany. That's what it's about today, His omnipotence, His power. And would you notice, first of all, the power of hope. And I do not speak about the kind of hope the politicians speak about, the kind that has no substance, the kind that's just rhetoric, if you will. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ had the power to provide hope. And notice, if you would, in verse 23, the hope that He gives. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto Him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Notice the hope that Jesus Christ is offering to these dear ladies 
on this special day. D.L. Moody was once uh, preparing for his very first funeral service. He was a young uh, preacher. He had never stood and performed a funeral before. D.L. Moody began to pour through the scriptures and he looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he looked every which way to find what Jesus said at funerals and how did Jesus preach the funeral service? And D.L. Moody said, as I looked through the New Testament, the only thing I discovered was that every time Jesus went to a funeral, someone was resurrected up from the grave. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chapel on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchapel.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchapel.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.